Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Woody Allen Retrospective Podcast, the podcast series where we talk about everything Woody Allen. And today we're finally moving forward with our new sister project, which has really, really got me excited. I'm here with my good buddy that you've heard on a couple of episodes, James Walsh. Thank you for being here, buddy. It means a lot to me. I'm really excited. Welcome back. Yeah, it's great to be back. I've been looking forward to this. So have I. So if you're listening to this, you know, if you're subscribed to the feed and you're wondering, Woody Allen hasn't got a movie out. What are you guys going to talk about? I already announced this project idea a while ago. Basically, there's so many movies that have been inspired by Woody Allen. There's films Woody Allen's recommended. I held a, a poll a couple of months ago. Well, nearly a year ago, asking you guys, what movies do you think we can talk about that are like Woody Allen, that Woody Allen's mentioned, that, you know, we've done before? Now, as you know, I usually do the retrospective with Simon, but there's a couple of reasons why I'm not working with Simon on this. The first reason is that I think the world needs to know there's more Woody Allen fans than just two on a podcast. So it's nice to bring in new energy for a different kind of discussion. You guys know what to expect from Simon, but... James is different and James has got a different perspective and I think me and Simon agree a lot. Me and James might not, so it's nice to have a, a different dynamic. So James, thank you for coming on for that. Also, it would be nice if there are female fans out there that want to, you know, take part. I'm open to collaborate with females on this retrospective as well. I know there are women that like Woody Allen that don't hate him and want to crucify him. So again, open cast, reach out to us guys on planet tyro at gmail.com but um not to talk too much james because i do want to bring you into this how do you feel about this journey man i know you said you were excited before but are you ready to talk adjacent woody allen stuff yeah i've seen lots of movies where i can clearly go oh that person is a woody allen fan and uh some of them are good some of them aren't uh i find that the more that i can the more that i can see a person's actual style and that they're not just completely ripping off Woody the better the movie is people who just try to do a Woody Allen movie I, I've never seen that succeed so <laughs> you know me and Simon did talk about two things that weren't made by Woody Allen on this retrospective we made a review for the movie I think it was called was it Burning Annie? I think it was. And even the director of that, once me and Simon were not too favorable about that, the director actually made a comment on Twitter about our discussion. <laughs> so I foresee that possibly happening again. And if you guys are looking at the title of this movie, of this, this of this episode, you already know what we're going to talk about. But James, I wanted, there's something I want to do to make this a bit more of a constructive discussion. When we, we're going to review the movie, in question, we're going to be talking about Louis C.K.'s I Love You, Daddy, made in 2017. And there's three questions that people might ask, well, listening to this might might be asking. The first one is, why did we choose this movie for discussion? Then we're going to review the movie. And one, one ball I want to throw you while we talk about this, well, maybe at the end of our review, our opinion is, if Woody actually tackled this, how would he do it? You know, if this was Woody yeah. Allen's movie, how do we think he would have tackled it? So the first question, before we even get into the review, is, and di James, agree with me or disagree with me if you, if you think I'm wrong here. The reason why I chose this movie to start this new journey of ours is we had that discussion about Woody Allen's memoir, Apropos of Nothing, and Woody Allen revealed that Louis C.K. actually came to him with this movie idea to Woody first. He actually wanted to co-write this movie with him. I didn't know that. So I just thought, you know what? Since this was kind of something he wanted to do with Woody and the movie's so controversial because there's so many nods to Woody Allen, subtle and not so subtle, I think it's I think this is the prime real estate for us to talk about this first and foremost. Yeah. Watching the movie, I I see why Woody didn't want to do it. Yeah. So it's interesting to see something that louis wanted to do with him that uh so clearly is not something woody would i i won't get into it too much but i i don't know what louis was thinking when he asked Woody. we'll do some more i'll do some more housekeeping later let's just start with a review so this movie 
it I actually don't believe it's got an, a home release now. It wasn't actually yeah. released. It's basically just out there in the internet. You can't really buy it. And the reason why it wasn't released was soon after this movie. Was it before or after the movie was released? I think like a couple of weeks before. Okay. Louis C.K. kind of outed himself and admitted to, I don't know how to say this. He admitted to being lewd to women in the industry. There was this open secret that he used to kind of expose himself to some female comedians. And he decided that he was going to own up to it. He admitted it. He made, I don't know what newspaper he came out to it. He came out to admit this to, but he came out and admitted it, confessed what he did. And it was obviously, it was during the time of the Harvey Weinstein Me Too movement as well. So basically after that, he kind of just destroyed the marketing for this movie and he made it basically undistributable, if that's a word. He just made, no one was going to touch this movie after that. And the movie hasn't had a release since. So that's why this movie has been, it's been blacklisted in, in you know, not, not to mince words. But the question is, it's been a couple of years later, 2020 now. I've watched this movie twice, twice within a two week span. But I want to throw the ball to you, James. I want to start with you. What did you think of this movie? And we'll start to take apart our thoughts and feelings. But what was your, uh, 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 you know, reaction after you watched this movie? Well, like I said, I think any movie where it's so clearly trying to be a Woody Allen movie is destined to fail. And this was so trying to be Manhattan or, um, you know, one of one of Woody's sort of like late seventies, early eighties kind of movies. And it didn't work at all for me. I mean, it's, he's trying so hard to be Woody that the movie looks good. The cinematography is good. The lighting is good. It's, it's, you know, the black and white cinematography is really, really uh, well shot, but it, it, it still, it lacks something that Manhattan did that the way that it looks, Manhattan had a glamor to it that I didn't feel like this did. Mm -hmm. In watching it, I just thought, there's not th th that I can think of. There's not too many wide master shots or, or scenic shots, or it just seems to seems just seem to start. And there are people in a room mm -hmm. and, you know, Manhattan had, you know, the big constantly cutting to the skyline or cutting to different buildings or showing the scope of the city. And this just feels really small. And yeah. I, I, I don't think that, and, and this is maybe something that uh, Louis might be devastated to hear, I don't think his style is compatible with Woody's. And so it feels like uh, his TV show, which I only watched a couple ep episodes of because it was so awkward, mm. I couldn't really get through. I, I really like Louis C.K.'s stand-up. And I've seen him in a couple of movies that he's done well in as an actor, like Blue Jasmine uh, and a movie called Trumbo that he was very good in. Here, I just... The whole thing is so awkward and and uncomfortable in, in a way that... You know, the, the whole thing with Louis getting in trouble... He talked about, you know, it was a, he was younger when he did it. He didn't do it, you know, it, probably for like 10 years. And, um, you know, he talked about how it showed a, a lack of common sense on his part. This feels like there's still a lack of common sense in just about every step of this movie. <laughs> let me, let me jump in. Cause I, I want to say, Regarding the presentation, everything you just said about the presentation, I will second. Just like you said with Manhattan, to be honest with you, when you first said that the, it, you you felt like it was shot well enough, but it was, but at the same time, you did it didn't have the majesticness or even the vision or even ambition as Manhattan. I would I will double that. To be honest with you, 
it just feels kind of cheap to me that he just he just made a black and white movie but didn't really the cin- i don't know who the cinematographer was and maybe i should find his name right now but it just seems very basic it just seemed like mm. like you said it was small there was no scope to it and the camera didn't even move with finesse like a lot of the times i've seen so many woody allen movies when the camera moves it kind of glides and it's yeah. it's like someone who's observing and enjoying the scenery this time it was exactly like you said it was like from point a to b and a lot of people that black and white movies aren't made as much anymore and when people do make them they're always some people say it's a gimmick and unfortunately the reason why i won't say it's a gimmick because he's obviously just copying woody allen but Mm -hmm. he didn't do it well and i just think the, the, the cinematographer didn't do a good job and at the end at the end of the i'm on i'm not jumping to in terms of plot just at the end there's a scene where they're at a birthday party and there's a there's a big wide shot and even that that was a big chance where i was like okay this is where you're going to shine with the camera and it just didn't work i just felt like the cinematographer wasn't really ambitious that he really did put a color filter on this and i was mm. very i was disappointed with the presentation but from watching the trailer this is exactly what I thought it was going to be in terms of the looks. So I'm, I'm just going to mm-hmm. jump in there and say, I agree with you wholeheartedly. The, the presentation to start is disappointing. It felt very flat. It didn't feel like there was a, a depth to it at all. It, I'll, I, I wouldn't, I don't know how it was shot, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was shot. Definitely not on film. Uh, I think it, it was 13 millimeter. I think it was. If it was, then they really did it. It looks like it was shot on a, you know, not a terrible, I mean, digital gets a bad reputation because of the early days, but a lot of things were shot digitally now. But uh, Woody's movies are always shot on film, and there's a depth that you get to that and a, a richness when you're shooting in black and white that digital can't really replicate yet. <laughs> and this just felt, it, like if you if you look at Manhattan, the 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 shadows. There's this that scene in Manhattan where it's uh, Woody and uh, Mariel Hemingway and his two friends, and they're just sitting in a, a restaurant talking. Yeah. There's a, a a richness to the 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 shadows and the that scene. It's it's a it's a and the, the camera's moving in that scene. It's just four people at a table talking, but visually it's interesting. Do you think that we're spoiled? I hate to sound like a snob because I, I, one of the claims that I have with this podcast is like, you know, these are normal, ordinary guys, not your film snobs talking about Woody Allen films. But when you've watched Woody Allen's masterful cinematography over the years, and then you see this, and you see that Louis C.K. is a fan of Woody Allen, he's said it multiple times, and he bungles it. It's really disappointing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I hate to be harsh on him about this because I hate to be a film star, but I'm just like, you say that you're trying to emulate someone you really respect, but it's so bad. It's really lame. <laughs> Sorry, well, Louis. And the, the, you know, the opening and closing credits almost make it look like it's supposed to be a classic black, like a yeah. 1940s black and white movie. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was put off as soon as the title comes up and that sort of, uh the old tiny score kicks in i was just like what the fuck is this (laughs) like i thought this was why is it like if he's i i I get he probably didn't want to do just the black screen with the white text like what he does because that maybe would be too far but (laughs) uh, it just felt so out of place and for a movie that if you're gonna make i've seen movies before that try to be you know a, a 1940s movie they this is, was not it and it just it felt wrong-headed just every step of the way yeah and you know i want to say here's a here's a black and white movie i'm going to name one before we move on to the other stuff here's a black and white movie that isn't even majestic doesn't even have big ambition cinematography wise and that's great and that's clerks kevin smith's first yeah. movie clerks is black and white mm-hmm. but you can tell that the director and the cinematographer have purpose. I just think Louis mm-hmm. C.K. dropped the ball and I hate to throw a cinematographer on the bus and we should move on from this. But yeah, it's very disappointing. Very mm-hmm. disappointing. So, but yeah, and moving on. Uh, <laughs> let's, uh, hey, since we're talking about cinematography, 
the sound was very unmemorable. Again, again, yeah. I know when it comes to music, and I don't mean to directly compare this to Woody Allen, but in this case, I think it's apt. But the music, there's a there's a few minor scores here, and there's even a jazz singer at the end of the movie, which I think is okay. But again, pretty uninspired, pretty unforgettable, and I'm not really going to... Woody is, a, again, a, a musical master. He, he picks his music. Yeah. He, he's a musician himself. So I don't really expect anyone to be on that level. But it, at best, I would just call the score forgettable here. But I don't think he yeah. even tried. To be perfect on to you. I don't know if it was a score, if it was pre-selected, like music, you know, music that had been recorded beforehand, and like Manhattan, where he used Gershwin and everything. But um, yeah, it, the the music would just sort of swell, like it was supposed to be a an old-fashioned melodrama, and it didn't go with what was happening in the movie. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the actual plot, which I guess is what's people find the biggest problem with the movie the actual plot you you know you watch the trailer going back to when i watched the trailer james i saw that why is louis ck making a movie about this older man who clearly is like woody allen dating his possible really young daughter and trying to make it a comedy I, even before the me too movement i didn't think it was going to be funny i was like really you want to make a movie about this this is a bit you know and after watching it mm-hmm. I was just like, I know what he was trying to do with the movie. I really do. I know it's meant to be satirical. I know it's meant to be observational. I know they're trying to tackle some misconceptions about sex and age and relationships and stuff like that. But boy, in so many ways, I just felt like he failed. And it didn't, and yeah, it didn't help about his coming out about what he did which hurt the movie tremendously as well but even putting that aside i can actually separate his own controversy from this as a film what he's trying to do here with the characters and him and his daughter and his and the women in his life is fucking cringy man it's really i didn't think it was very funny and to be honest with you i just felt like he put i mean Oh man, I, the film irritated me because it it's, didn't land. It didn't land at what I was trying to do, and it just comes off as obnoxious. This movie to me is very obnoxious. Well, and the thing is, I, I get the feeling from his his stand up is is more it, it it makes it amusing, but from his TV show and from this movie, I get the feeling that he feels very inferior to women, mm-hmm. and. He embraces that, by the way. He em- he yeah. celebrates it, and he, it's not a secret. It's not something. It's not an undertone. He puts women again to his credit. He puts women in like a position of power, and you know, kind of self demoralizes himself to make it funny. But there's a couple times in this movie I think it fails spectacularly. But yeah, I'll let you uh, finish that. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna do uh, a movie like this the movie i kept comparing it to even though he's trying to do manhattan the movie i kept comparing it to is deconstructing harry because that came out shortly after uh you know the controversy yeah with woody and um but that's a movie where woody looked at his dark side where you know he he really kind of exposed himself in a uh as this is, these are the bad things about who I am. And that movie is so interesting and entertaining and funny. And this just felt like Louis having a parade of women walk through the screen and tell him he's a piece of shit. And it almost, it's, I don't know if this is true or not, but it almost at one point to me, I thought, is this a fetish? For him to just have women come through, like tell him he's he's garbage and uh, you know a pervert and all this stuff, because it he he just keeps doing it with you know he's got an ex-wife and an ex-girlfriend and he's you know uh, got Rose Byrne as a current girlfriend who that doesn't work out and just his daughter and all these women who just come through and. I never got a sense of who his character was supposed to be other than 
inferior to these women. And but the way he writes the women, um, the only word I can think of is bitches. I mean, he just writes them as mean. Mm. And um, you know, his his ex-girlfriend. You know, there's one very early on. He's got an ex-girlfriend who stays close to his daughter, Pamela Al Pamela Alden, who, by the way, is a big character in his own series. Who plays an identical role. It's basically the character from a TV series, the same actress, mm. the same character, belittling his ass all the way through. So yeah, mm. same person. Yeah, yeah. And she comes in, and I think his daughter's supposed to be what seventeen. Yeah, and she comes in. She starts getting. She talks down to Louis in front of his daughter and she's telling him how he needs to raise her. And at one point he says, hey, you know, I appreciate you staying in her life, but we need to have some boundaries. And she reacts in this way where, you know, Louis being completely reasonable. He's not being aggressive, but she comes at him. So fuck you. And, you know, I don't have to you can't tell me I can't see her which he completely can because his daughter's a minor. But you get the feeling that Woody think, or that uh, Louis thinks that she's right. Yeah, again, if you've watched the Louis C.K.'s show, and I've seen all of it, big fan of that series, she does that continuously. Yeah, see, that's the thing with where, for me, I have a thing about just awkward comedy. It makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> so, I mean, like everybody is a huge fan of The Office. I can't watch that show because there's always those cringeworthy moments where everybody is uncomfortable and I just want to leave the room. Yeah. And that was this entire movie was, was just him putting himself down. Yeah. And he makes himself out to be this sort of, I guess, lucky idiot you know, who, who somehow became a television executive and everything, despite being what I guess he sees himself as just a, a not worthy of it. Yeah. <laughs> Look, again, this is a, this movie is an extension of his TV series. This is what he does. Now, I don't just want to shit on this. There's some things I do want to praise but even the things I want to praise, he bungles. And what I mean is mm -hmm. he has these moments in the movie where they have, they seem to have real conversations. For example, there's a moment where, he, you know, he, this whole movie called I Love You Daddy, he kind of lets his girl roll over him like a doormat. But then once or twice in the movie, he, he'll have these moments where he'll just have complete, brutal realness to her like you never look for a job you don't know what feminism is he would like go on these rants and he mm. does it in the show and they're written really well because it's like yeah he's talking really real sense problem is it's like a pendulum this whole movie he will be this docile idiot and mm -hmm. and once or twice he'll come out on these really cutting rants of realism again this is what he does in his series all the time and people love that about louis but the problem is when you watch this in a movie, these characters don't feel real. They one minute all in a bubble playing nice, nice, nice. Then the next minute they switch and have these deep conversations about real issues. And they and it's just very awkward and very frank. And the camera doesn't stop. That's the thing with Louis. He lets the thing the big thing about a series is he will let a scene just play out. There'll be no cut. There's a big part in this movie where him and Rose Byrne are in bed having a conversation about sexual consent. Mm -hmm. And it's a very uncomfortable conversation and they just let it play. They let it play. There's parts where they don't talk for like a minute. They're very uncomfortable. And again, through most of the movie, they were kind of having these masks of friendship on. But then after they are together, they have this real gritty conversation and it just feels contrived. And a lot of this, a lot of this yin yang moments of pretense and realism is it honestly. When you see this in a movie, normally it just feels organic. This time, it just mm. feels contrived, and it's again comedy does that. Comedy can just throw a joke in the middle of a serious scene, but this is not funny. Most of this movie is dealing with a serious topic, 
sexual impropriety with uh, you know different age and stuff like that but the, the way they handle it it just doesn't work and i know it's trying to be it's trying to be clever about it and it's trying to be disarming but it just comes off as obnoxious and cringy <laughs> well uh, the scene that you referenced where his you know his their his daughter starts talking about feminism and uh because there's a they're watching a movie and rose burns kills a man in it and she's like yeah that's what we need to start doing we need to start that's feminism is is taking over and telling you guys what to do and and louis starts laughing as he should because she's 17 and doesn't know what she's talking about and is regurgitating things that she's she's heard from older people not really understanding them and you can do something with that but instead by the end of the scene he just basically calls her a slut and yeah. you know and and she storms out and suddenly you're feeling bad for her and thinking why how did this conversation get from this to this exactly that's the yin yang factor i'm talking about there's no progression it doesn't feel real it's contrived he, he sets up these scenes that are just like and it's just like a jack-in-the-box and it feels much more organic in this tv series but in this movie it's out of place they're all wearing masks and then it's all you know i love you daddy oh, i love you oh i'm going here i'm going there then okay let's talk real talk now this is why this is wrong and this is what i think and you know this is we i'm just like no i don't i don't believe you i don't believe it's, it's just not it's it's just handled there's no finesse i'm sorry there's <laughs> it's no. just no finesse it's not subtle it just comes it hits you over the head with it um yeah man it, the, the, the execution of the actual plot and what they're trying to do it just comes off as forced and very compartmentalized in, in in these little segments of outbursts and they're not very memorable in my opinion they've because they're all based around the same cringy topic you know sexual impropriety of different ages and why it's wrong and why some people think it's right some people think it's wrong while we're all perverts in fact you know what i got a clip i'm gonna play right here do you remember this clip this is from the movie i'm gonna play a clip from the movie do you remember this and i and i was just thinking well i'll play the clip first and then i'll tell you what i was thinking okay mr hoffman <laughs> yeah older dudes are sexy whatever is have a boner for you throughout my teens it's so normal i mean everybody's a pervert i'm a pervert we're all perverts who cares who cares how old you are and who you are my cousin and I used to make out when our family spent summers together. So hot. I don't regret it. I had a thing for you when I was 14, so what? When you take sound bites from the movie like that, it can sound really cringy and creepy. But here's the thing. I'm just going to be completely honest and logical. What they're mm. saying might be true. What they're saying might be brutal mm. honesty that people don't want to talk about. But then you think about who's the writer of this movie. You've got these female characters spouting these things that louis has written himself now i know yeah. the actors uh, the actors have agreed and maybe they like the line and they like the whole concept of the movie that's why they all agreed to do the movie but then louis wrote these he wrote yeah. most of the characters he wrote every bit of dialogue and then it's just like you're writing some really risque stuff yeah from underage people it's not going to it's not going to be perceived very well which you know the the thing is too i and i this i will defend him here if this movie had come out five years ago like before his his scandal before the me too movement before woody uh went under fire again i think this movie would have come out and it would have gotten not it wasn't going to win oscars it wasn't going to um be a huge box office success but i bet it would have gotten like in the high 60s on the tomato meter from critics because at the time louis could do no wrong definitely yeah um and you know i i have always felt a little bit bad for him um with the scandal because it you know he got lumped in with harvey weinstein and uh kevin spacey and the thing with Louis is everything that he did, creepy as it might have been, he always asked for consent and got it. 
And if he didn't get it, he didn't he didn't do what he wanted to do. Mm. So you know, I I I get what he's trying to do here, and it's something that five years ago would have worked for him. That he he could have gotten away with it. People like to say now, oh, I never thought he was funny. Bullshit. You know, like five years ago, Louis C.K. was the top comedian in the world and made tons of money on on uh, his stand-up specials for Netflix and everything, uh, winning Emmys for his show. Yeah. He was, he was starting to have a fairly good uh, acting career. And if this movie had come out then, I think people would have said, oh, he's so brave in what he's talking about and he's so honest and so raw and that would have been a lot of kissing his ass because five years later i tried you know i, I can separate the artist from the art so i wasn't sitting there thinking about his scandal the whole time but i was thinking exactly what you just said which is this is not how uh 17 year old girl would talk I, I i started to feel bad for his actual daughters because i started to think if this is how you think teenage girls are and you're putting these words in their mouth you must not have a a, a high opinion of your own daughters because uh it just it felt so that clip you played is followed by a fairly awkward moment and which doesn't help at all by the way that makes it even worse <laughs> doesn't help at all and it you know that girl says that to him and he reacts to it in a way that is not appropriate but understandable mm. and she reacts with, with disgust and horror and the whole time i'm you're the the yin yang thing you're talking about like what what was that conversation they just had and how did it get to here? Yeah. And I, I, yeah, the whole thing was just uncomfortable because it just felt like him telling everybody for two hours, what a horrible person he is and how much better these women are than him. I, I think it's that. And he wanted to like, these are misconceptions, these things, that these rules about how we think about love and sex and age, it's all kind of irrelevant and everything's more free flowing and don't be so rigid. So I agree with you, but he's putting some stuff out there that a lot of conservative people, definitely conservative, I'm not going to agree with maybe even liberal to be fair. I'm not going to agree with, um, I was, I was just like, I just thought, look, the execution is not very good. I'm a big fan of, I said this again and again and again, a massive fan of his series. He does really uncomfortable comedy, but he has these moments where the conversations feel real. He just does it so much better in his series than in this movie. So let me let me switch gears and talk about um, the actors because the cast is he, he casts some great actors: Eddie Falco, Rose Byrne, um, uh, John Malkovich, Charlie Day, which I'll get to in a moment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Am I forgetting anyone? I think there's Chloe any... Grace Moretz. Chloe goes, of course, his daughter. Yeah, um, strong female actresses, by the way. Who, if you go and look, um, if you look for interviews for this movie, what you'll find is the Toronto International Film Festival, where he's got all the cast up there talking about why they believe in this film, and I've got a clip to support this as well. Why mm. they believe in this film, they believe in what he's trying to address, which again, I don't really agree with. Mm and you hear them praise the movie so i love the fact like woody he i he hired very intelligent strong female actors who give good performances i think their performances are good i think what they've been written to say isn't so good the male mm. actors john markovich is probably one of the better actors in this because i think he's his character's got nuance but i think that's got more to do with him trying to defend woody allen Mm -hmm. and portray him as Woody Allen which I'll also get to in a moment but all the actors are really well picked now Charlie Day he is portraying a scumbag yeah quite clearly 
quite clearly became a disgusting scumbag. You've seen him in, uh, you know, I think the last movie I saw him in was with that high, high school movie with Ice Cube, where him and Ice Cube were trying to beat each other up. Yeah. Um, but, and obviously he's had that comedy series, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which everyone knows of for most. I felt bad for him, to be honest yeah. with you, because I, I was just like, boy, you 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 picked this role at a very, very bad time, buddy. A very, yeah. very bad time, because I've seen Cringy, I've seen, you know, American Pie, and a lot yeah. of actors playing these roles, but boy, he really, he played that shit up, and it, did, it does not hold well today. So, no. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say, but I was like, he's purposefully well, cringy, but I just, I was like, ugh. As somebody who has daughters, yeah, nobody talks to you about your daughters the way he talks to Louis about his. Oh, thank you for saying that. Yeah, definitely. That's an extreme. Mm-hmm. That's an extreme. But I, I think the cast are good. I think he picked really good actors. Obviously, and these are credible actors. They've all done really well. John Malkovich and Eddie Falco. I love Eddie Falco, by the way. Sopranos, Nurse Nurse Jackie. I mean, to get her behind this, I'm like, she must have read the script and definitely saw the subtext because I know that's what everyone is getting behind is for, the subtext. And I'm going to play the second clip because this clip, I think, is really illuminating. So let me set the scene. So after the movie came out in the film festival, and after he confessed to what he'd done, the cast were getting interviewed on red carpet. And they felt really uncomfortable. So I, I found this clip with Chloe Grace Moretz feeling very uncomfortable because she's asked point blank, how does she feel now being part of the movie? And if you watch the video, there's a part, she stops talking for like 30 seconds because she doesn't even know what to fucking say. I think it's really illuminating, but still, she kind of defends the movie. So let me play this clip, and then I definitely want to get your thoughts on this as well, uh, James. Let's have a listen. Do you find it ironic that, like, just the timing of this film coming out now, with, in light of recent news in Hollywood? Um, I, huh? Yeah. I, yes, I mean, I think what, the kind of guides that I went under to make that movie and what John Malkovich and I and Rose Byrne and Edie Falco, what we were all under the guides of um, is that it was a movie about um, concentrated archetypes in this industry. Um, and every single archetype in the movie, every character um, is its own archetype in this industry and a very concentrated, real, you know, realized version of those people. And so I play kind of a naive young ingenue and then we have um, the older male director and then we have the uh, more adult ingenue in Rose Byrne and Indy Falco, the hardcore producer. And we have all these kind of archetypes and they all kind of come down to these concentrated, highly um, saturated moments and pieces in these of our movies. Um, and so I think it's an isolated um, kind of event in which we saw it, um, but in light of, of, of the current times and what's happening, um, I think it definitely highlights a lot of very, very uh, realistic problems in this industry. And when we read the script, all of us actors read the script, that's the way we saw um, the reason why we should make this movie, is to try and highlight the problems that are in this industry and to try and be um, a comedic voice into a very dark, dark, dark light, to try and make um, a very dark situation um, change in a certain way so it can be impactful in a different part of your brain um, instead of the stark realism of, of what is happening right now. Mm. What do you think of her comments there, James? I think that is a, a young woman trying desperately to get out of a, a fairly straightforward question, but a question that you got, you know, you just made this movie and when you were making it during the filming and everything, it was fine. It, everybody was like, oh, this is funny. This is saying something. This is whatever. And then Harvey Weinstein happens. And that day, your movie's not okay anymore. And what do you do? And, and how do you talk about it? How do you justify that you were in it? And I, re I did see another a quote from her where she says she hopes the movie never comes out. Mm, yeah. And in light of everything now, it's not appropriate that the movie ever be released. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was just desperation. That was her trying really hard 
to yeah. find some way of of you know because it was you know the thing that happened during the the early days of the me too movement that i thought was unfair was it you know it wasn't just the the perpetrators that were demonized it was anybody who had worked with them and you know you had all the the actors from you know that they could dig up from woody allen movies coming out to denounce him because if they didn't they'd never work again and i think this was her just caught in a trap like okay i'm in this movie i can't badmouth the movie but at the same time i can't talk it up either i can't you know that that's almost a moment where she should have just said oh i did somebody's calling me i gotta go you should have seen her face you should have seen how she looked when she when he asked the question she just looked like she wanted to i thought she was gonna walk away i actually thought she was going to walk away and just be i can't i just you know but she i i do respect for for taking it on and just saying what she thinks and like you said she just she just tried to fight her way through it and do the best she could but boy so let's um let's tie this up to woody allen yeah. let me tell you something so louis ck writes a script on paper and he thinks i should give this to woody allen and we should write it together i don't know what the fuck he was thinking no i didn't know i i you know i i knew what i'd seen the trailer for the movie and i'd seen the synopsis and it was like okay an older director and uh starts dating this younger woman and i was like okay i see why woody wouldn't want to do that but it's not a big deal and then there's the moment in the movie where charlie day goes ask him if he touched that kid and i just went holy shit yeah you you brought this to woody allen and you put it in front of him and said do you want to do this with me that <laughs> that it's the most tone deaf possible thing and you know there's the little you know it's never proven that he did it uh that john malkovich did it in the movie or anything but um I didn't even, I mean, I, he must have rewritten it, the character, because Woody, if you just took John Malkovich out and put Woody Allen in with those same lines and all the things, that's not Woody Allen. Yeah. You know, the point. very dry, artistic, you know, there's the moment in the movie where he, they're they're in a park and he gets a, a, a guitarist and a, a saxophone player to start playing together and people aren't listening so he buys ice cream for everybody and starts throwing that's not woody allen woody allen wouldn't do that woody allen would be walking with his like you know fishing hat on through the city with his head down trying not to be noticed <laughs> uh, i mean in, in one of his comedy movies it might do something like that in one of his earlier comedy movies if it was just silly slapstick but yeah, yeah not not in any of his serious movies no he would mind his own business like you just said i i thought it was um to be honest, I lost a degree of respect for Louis C.K. Because I, you know, when that moment happened, I just thought, are you trying to hurt this person? Are you trying to hurt Woody Allen by bringing well, this to him? I, You know what? I initially thought that. But there's this, when he first, when we first meet the Woody Allen character, the John Markovich character in the movie, he really goes out to defend him. Like, why would you think that? You don't know him. And he's basically talking about Woody Allen. Clearly. Like, nobody knows. You don't judge him. He really went out of his way to defend him. And ironically, as the movie goes on more, he becomes more... <laughs> uh -huh. He becomes more of a... a uh, he becomes more of a detractor of that character, which I think is interesting as the movie goes on. But the John Markovich character, like you said, is so docile in the movie... But still, it's like a defense of Woody Allen, but it's also what he feels like Woody Allen's like as well, maybe without even meeting him. I don't know. Yeah, he obviously made this movie after you met him in Blue Jasmine. But I don't I don't I don't have any less respect for Louis C.K. for bringing this to Woody Allen because I do think he actually thought this would help him. I honestly do believe that. But I don't know why he would even think he would agree to it because I don't think he's very sensitive. Like, this is his family. This isn't mm -hmm. someone, this is his daughter that's accusing him. This isn't like someone that's not even a, 
you know a stranger or someone just a woman of a woman this is his own daughter to mm-hmm. make a movie about that you know what i mean and this was i yeah. think this this might have been before didn't came out with that open letter as well whether it was before or i'm pretty sure i think Dylan made the open letter in 2014 and then again she came out again after he made wonder wheel so to be honest with you i just don't and I, I just don't know why he thought woody allen would do this so in in multiple ways i am a bit dis- i'm disappointed in him because he tried to copy woody allen's film style that didn't work he tried to defend woody allen with this movie that didn't work and it backfired on him because he came out with his own controversy at the same time so this mm-hmm. movie is a fail in every single way which yeah. is really disappointing because i'm a fan of him i like his mm-hmm. comedy and i like his series but everything about this movie doesn't work yeah <laughs> it just doesn't work so i'm very disappointed and i was kind of excited because i thought maybe this movie would be more sophisticated then if I thought everyone's just on the Me Too hate train and just take Louis C.K. down train and they're not giving it a fair shake. But this movie, it's not everything I thought it would be when I thought, saw the trailer because I thought it was more of a disrespect to Woody Allen. But when I watch it, it's just an inferior copy of something he's done before. And even if you separate the Woody Allenisms, the themes he's trying to touch on and the things he's trying to say, they're handled it's just not subtle no sophistication and they're just written in a really weird way they're just not organic so um, to be honest i just i was annoyed i watched this film twice the first time i didn't like it the second time i was more annoyed because i could see more of the cracks and i know this is um louis ck's third film he made the first film ironically he made another uh, the first film he made was a black and white movie a very low budget movie no one is even heard of which I forgot the name of, and I only knew because I was watching interviews in preparation for this podcast. The second movie he made was Pooty Tang. Yeah, which I've seen. <laughs> I didn't know that was him because he wasn't a, a big stand-up at the time. But uh, neither did I, I. Do remember seeing that movie? Neither did I. And Chris Rock, big star behind the movie, black comedy. You know, cool. I mean, diversify. But man, it's like let me go back to what you said, um, James. At the time he made this movie, he was on cloud nine. He was getting all the accolades. People loved him. Look at everyone that signed on to do this movie. All the great actors, the script, that wanted to copy Woody Allen. I was excited when I heard about it. But man, this movie, I am not... I, I think it's a good thing it never actually came out. To be, mm-hmm. I know people have seen it, but I think it serves him best as a shelved movie that just would probably hurt his career in Hollywood more than it already. I mean, he hurt his career, obviously, for what he did. Mm-hmm. Which, again, I don't think he deserves to be super blackboard for it or condemned forever. But the movie's not good on any mm-hmm. level. It's just not good. No, and like I said, I think if it had come out before everything, it would have, It would have. you know, critics would have been a, re- respectful of it and everything. The last few Woody Allen movies I haven't thought were were that great. I mean, Rainy Day in New York, especially. But um, yeah. But if if this was prior to the Me Too movement, you would have had the critics who came out and say, "Well, even mediocre Woody Allen is still is still Woody Allen." So you know, you got to go see this movie. You, they they would have had that kind of vibe to it. And now all those critics would say, "I never liked Woody Allen. I I always, you know." And I think it would have been the same thing. I think Louis, if he had re- released this movie prior to that, it would have been Louis is great. And it's just like his show and he's a genius. And then, uh, you know, Me Too happened and it's, uh, he's a pervert and this movie's gross. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a complete turnaround because of external things to the movie. But the movie itself... If it had come out and if it had gotten good reviews and then I watched it, I would have thought, how did this get good reviews? The people who signed up for Chloe Grace Moretz, particularly, I'm watching the movie and there's the, the moment at the end where he's having it out with her. And she starts to have this little meltdown and she's saying, none of this is mine. This oh. is all yours. And what am I supposed to do? What is Tell what me. am I supposed to do? And I just... I'm watching this and I'm thinking, you're rich. <laughs> Bitch. 
<laughs> I'll say it. I know you don't want to say it. I'll say it. You can do anything you want. You have opportunities that very few people in the world have. And you're, you're, you know, how am I supposed to go out and make my own way? Because your dad will pay for anything you want to do. You know, any college, you, you know, her whole thing is she has infinite futures ahead of her that she can just pick from. And daddy will pay for it. And she has had no problem having him pay for her to go on trips, having him pay for shopping sprees. And all of a sudden, we're supposed to feel bad for her that, you know, she's having this little, oh, what do I do with my life moment that everybody has at that age, but not everybody has those opportunities. It made me <sighs> think he's been rich too long that maybe if this movie had been, if you reworked it and it was more middle class, it wasn't, you know, that he's super rich and famous and all this. If it had been about, you know, his daughter going to school and she, you know, starts dating an older man, you could have had that conversation, but it, it didn't. Everything lands wrong in this movie and in a way that if you gave the same movie to woody allen first of all woody allen would never have made this oh, movie yes but thank you for transitioning to this <laughs> i wanted to talk about this go ahead yes if you gave it to woody allen go ahead Keep if you going. gave it to woody allen you would have gotten deconstructing Harry. you would have gotten something that is sharper and more biting and funnier oh yeah i never i never laughed once thank you for that not I never a laughed single once. I think you were supposed to think that Charlie Day was funny. I think he was supposed to be the big comic relief. And you're yeah, right. I just, uh -huh. he's a scumbag. He's too, he's way over the top. I mean, that's not even funny. It's like, dude, you went, you went past funny 10 miles ago. Way, way over the top. And the thing is, I don't at all fault him. No, no, he's playing up. He's playing, he's playing what he's, what's written. And, um, I'm assuming that Louis must know guys like that. And I, I'm just thinking, why would you ever hang out with that person? Yeah. It, I, I don't know. It, it's just a movie that, that Woody Allen, you know, he's done the older guy and younger woman thing. He did that with Manhattan. He's, and you know, God knows he, as he got older, the act, the, the romantic partners didn't, I don't know. He's just, it was always better. It was as, as, you know, in, in Manhattan, everybody now says, oh, that's so cringeworthy. Oh, he's dating this high school girl and blah, 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 blah. That movie from the time it was released up until right before the Me Too movement was a movie that was critically loved, that people talked about the deeper meaning to it, that people talked about all this stuff that Louis was going for and he just fumbled it. He's not. He wasn't a romantic lead. He was an idiot. He was a doormat. He was a bad dad. I didn't believe him as a father. I didn't yeah. believe him as a director or a writer. It was fucking contrived. The movies it annoys me. The more I think about it, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was really just really contrived. The movie's kind of a mouthpiece, and I, in a way, I think it's trying to be preachy about things that it has no no business being preachy about. So yeah, and if Woody Allen did this movie, like you said, deconstructing Harry yes that's the closest thing to what woody allen's done but if if he had this script he would have made it work it would have been much more finessed it would have been he would have picked one or two things to make this movie about it could have been if it was a relationship between the father and the daughter it would have been about that this movie was a bit scatterbrained in its approach as well but i don't want to i really don't want to sit and tear this movie apart because it doesn't really need to be the main reason we're talking about this movie is because to our surprise and through the Woody Allen book memoir, we found out that this is something he wanted to do with Woody Allen because he, he, it was like, yeah, Woody, let's tell him, let's use this movie to tell them, to show them. And Woody Allen had the, the foresight, the common mm -hmm. sense, the, the head on straight to be like, fuck no. Are mm -hmm. you fucking crazy? Cause that's what he said in the book. And Louis C.K. said, you know what, Woody, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. And look how that turned out. Yeah, no, it, that that should have been the moment where if he had any respect for Woody, that should have been the moment where he said, 
I'm going to rework this so it doesn't resemble Woody at all. That's the disrespectful part to me is he he clearly respects Woody. Definitely. He clearly uh, reveres him. Yeah. And yet he makes this movie that Woody has said, no way in hell will I be a part of this. And this is completely bad for me. And Louis went ahead and did it anyway. And that's that's the kind of, again, he clearly from the scandal, the what we found out about him and from this movie, he doesn't always have the best judgment. No. And this, <laughs> if that's the takeaway. <laughs> yeah. That's the takeaway from this is he he makes bad decisions. <laughs> yeah. And this was uh, I like I said, I can't fault him for at the moment that he was making it because he got all these big actors to sign on uh, because they all wanted to work with him. They filmed it in secret, by the way. They also filmed No One Used Me was being made. They filmed it in absolute secret. And that's another thing you could see if you watch the interview, the, the Toronto Film Festival interview. They said they filmed it in secret and they kept it a secret. And, it, you know, they literally came out to promote the movie as it was coming out in the, in the festivals. But then the Harvey Weinstein thing came out and then, yeah, well, boy, I mean, yeah, he, he thought he had something. Putting aside yeah. Woody Allen, he felt like, you know what, Woody, sorry you don't want to get on, but I, I have something here. I have something to say. And the actors felt the same way. But boy, and John Markovich, I was surprised. I, look, I'm not going to play any more clips, but John Markovich talks about how he read the script and he thought it was great and i was just like wow i, I don't oh. i don't know what to say and especially the women these are f helen hunt by the way another um that's the that's the actress i forgot helen hunt is in this as well playing his ex-wife chloe uh, chloe grace Moretz's mother and even her oh actually you know what i do have a clip how can i forget you're gonna love this one i think yeah. you know you know what my takeaway from this movie was it's, it's a line that louis ck says near the end of the movie do you want to know what that line is i'm sure you heard this and you said james yeah yeah let me play that line right now it will live forever in louis, in louis ck's filmography in his career sorry you're sorry i'm yes i'm sorry women women yes i please on behalf of all women please let you all know that i'm very fucking sorry okay uh we accept your apology and i'm just wondering if i can terrific you know what i take it back maybe that was the fun the, the only funny part in the whole movie it was when he said that i it it just like i said it made it crystal clear how inferior he feels. <laughs> that's why it's funny. That's meant, that's meant to be funny, right? Isn't that meant to be funny? I would think it was meant to be funny if maybe it was uh. also... If there was a guy in the... That's the other thing. There's not a single guy in the movie. From his character to uh, Charlie Day's character, John Malkovich's character. There's not a decent guy in the whole... Louis the closest thing to a decent guy in the movie. And... That would be fine, not fine, I would annoy me, but it would be a more understandable if he played the female characters as more... He doesn't make them more competent. He makes them meaner than him. And I think that's what he thinks is makes a woman strong is if they're mean. That Like the Helen Hunt character, he says... They, they, there's a, First of all, I don't even know why he sits down and has lunch with his ex-wife seemingly on a regular basis yeah uh, when she hates him but you know in, in that first scene with them she you know she says you know you have this mansion and you live in the hamptons and i live in a shithole or whatever and he says look you divorced me when i was a loser so you lost and then he has to backtrack and apologize and oh and i just kept thinking no yeah that's that's right that was funny. I'm not gonna lie. That was the that was probably the big laugh for me from the whole thing. That was probably the big laugh for me. It would. I thought it would have been funny if he didn't then turn around and backtrack on it because. Yeah. 
I'm thinking, what are you backtracking on? She doesn't get to have part of your money if you didn't have any at the time. And it just, again, it, it, it was like, I'm having this mental image in my head of just the actresses in this movie surrounding Louie as he's like on his knees with his head hung, <laughs> you know, um, and it, it's clear that he just has this image of himself as just so inferior. And that would maybe be an interesting thing if the movie was made by just some guy and it was made for $25,000. But this is Louis C.K. and he's an international star and he can go all over the world and sell out theaters and everything for his comedy. Um, have just a shred of self-respect. Yeah, I'm going to let you have the last word on that because honestly, just I don't want to waste any more time talking about this. Yeah. <laughs> it's starting to depress me. Yeah, I like Louis, but it, again, I just think his series is miles better. And it, a lot of what he's doing, I just don't think this movie came out the way he thinks it came out. No, I feel like I'm going to have to go back and like want to watch one of his stand-up specials just to... I, I'm not liking him right now. <laughs> I would watch a series. I think the series is a much better narrative and I think it helps with the series. It's a continuously narrative story. It's a it's an evolving story of his life in the so it makes a lot more sense. But even then the women don't come off like they do in this movie. But yeah. yeah. So Woody Allen and Louis C.K. Uh, you know, I I don't know what to say. <laughs> Woody, yeah. you, you dodged the bullet. Good yes. on you. And Louis, you know, I don't I don't know what to say. I don't think you deserve to be cancelled forever, but this wasn't a good movie and you should be glad that it never got because I think it would have been worse. You don't want the real headlines this would have got if it was in actual theatres. So be glad, Louis. Be yes. glad you, it got cancelled for the movie. Not for you, yeah. but for the movie. So I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I, I think he just... Uh... Yeah, I, I agree. He doesn't deserve to be cancelled forever, and uh, he's not Harvey Weinstein. He's not Kevin Spacey. He's not Bill Cosby. But um, go back to doing stand-up. Play some roles in other people's stuff for a while. If they'll have And, uh, you know, rebuild your career and then maybe come back with a more... To me, the the... It, it's the lack of originality. It's him so blatantly trying to be Woody Allen that is maybe the biggest problem with this movie. Maybe. Either way, guys, uh, if you've watched the movie, I want to wrap up the review on that. If you've watched this movie and chances are you haven't, and I'd probably recommend if you haven't, don't. But yeah. let us know what you thought in the comments down below. You know, we, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Maybe you think it's a masterpiece. And ironically, you know what, guys? You will laugh when I tell you this. If you go to IMDb, all right, the Rotten Tomato score is below, is at 30, 34%. It's rotten. But if you go on IMDb, I shit you not, I saw a, a review title that said this, the Woody Allen film that was never made. <laughs> there were some people that actually enjoyed this movie so to each his own, you'll always get different variants. But yeah, again, we, we, we only did this movie first because it came out of Woody's mouth in the um, memoir and we really wanted to see it because of that. And now we have, and we're glad Woody said no. Yeah, and we <laughs> never have to watch it again. <laughs> I never, ever, 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 ever will. But yeah, no, let's leave it there like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... Um, this is the project. We're going to talk about other movies, some movies we actually like, and there's a lot. So I will say this. So what I want to do, James, is I'm going to pick two movies, and because I'm the producer, I'm going to I'm going to have a little bit more of the power. I've got <laughs> two movies. You have one. So I've got one more movie we'll talk about next month, and then you get to pick the next one we talk about that you feel that is, you know, you want to talk about in this Woody Allen adjacent spectrum we're working in. Does that make sense? Yeah, that works. I'll give you a chance to pick one. So i got one more movie. So guys, we'll do this monthly for now. Maybe we'll do it more in the future, but we're so busy. We've got so much going on. We want to do this as a monthly thing. And we've already got a poll of 50 movies that you guys on the Woody Allen subreddit recommended to us to check out and talk about. So we'll get through all of them. But I'll keep it in suspense for now. I won't tell you what it is. We'll keep it in suspense for now. 
But James, thank you for coming on and bearing with me for the technical issues that we seem to have whenever we start doing a podcast. Hopefully we've worked it out for next time. I think we have because guys, we're using Zoom. <laughs> Audio only. And that's not even an endorsement. But hey, Zoom, if you want to sponsor the podcast and give us a free, you know, premium plan, that would help a lot. So yeah, you know, we're open to that. But uh, James, thank you for being on. I'm a lever at that, man. Uh, where can they reach you, James, if they want to get in contact with you, if you want to be reached? Uh, well, we're you can always find me at uh, manic-expression.com and, uh, you know, sign up and post your videos, post your uh, blogs. You'll There'll be a, a link to the, this podcast there. And uh, yeah, that's it, always where you can find me. Also, before we leave... James just made a release for Stardust Memories, Woody, Woody Allen's own favorite movie in his filmography. James did a review for it, had his own take on it. We don't see eye to eye, but I loved James' review for it. So I'm going to leave that in the description down below as well. So for the Woody Allen fans, if you want to hear someone else talk about Stardust Memories in a positive way, I'm going to put that link down below. So thank you for linking that to me, James. Thanks. Yeah. All right, guys, that was it. We'll see you on the next recording. Stay tuned, stay subscribed, and uh, thanks for listening.